This is the Monday Nooner Podcast, brought to you by... Healthy Eyes Optometry and Dr. Sean Fleming with two locations in Regina. Get your eyeballs checked at Healthy Eyes Optometry in Harbor Landing and on Rochdale. High Tech Profiles, the locally owned and operated steel processor serving the agricultural, mining, construction, oil and gas and creative industries. Serving Western Canada and the Northern U.S. for over 25 years. High Tech is your 24-7 solution to ensure that you meet your deadlines. Sports Clips in Regina. You need your salad cut and want to do it while watching sports? Why wouldn't a guy? Get your full VIP treatment, including the deadly steam towel and scalp massage at Sports Clips Regina. Dave Price Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon. Your hard-working specialist that'll get your home or land sold. If you're looking to buy, get Dave Price at Century 21 Fusion in Saskatoon working for you. If people ask you if you want to go do something in life, just say, why wouldn't a guy? Or why wouldn't a girl? Hey, this is James Duffy, two-time All-American soccer player at Clemson, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner Podcast. Hey, this is Jeff Hodges from Spinal Saskatchewan. When I'm not feeding cows, I'm listening to the Monday Nooner. This is Jared Stoll from the Saskatoon Blazers. You're listening to the Monday Nooner podcast. Hey guys, it's Jordan Tutu here, former OCN Blizzard. You are listening to the Monday Nooner. Hey, this is Dallas Smith, and you're listening to the Monday Nooner podcast. Hey, I'm Jeremy Roenick, and why wouldn't a guy listen to the Monday Nooner? Well, hello and a big welcome to all the degenerates and pigeons tuned in. Welcome to twirl number 47 of the Monday Nooner podcast. Of course, the pod is always brought to you by our title sponsor, Rosetown Mainline Motors and Mainline Chrysler in Rosetown. Both the king of trucks, both worth the drive every time guaranteed. So make sure your next vehicle purchase is with our friends out in Rosetown, Sask. Speaking of friends... Let's start by introducing uh, the guys this week. Shane Belter, how are you? Boss, I'm doing good. Yeah, I guess uh, only three of us here again tonight. Listen, something I didn't tell you guys last uh, after last episode, you know, another healthy scratch for Kinner, and we had to send him down. I sent him down, boys. I, I didn't, you know, I didn't really get all your inputs on that, but we had to chuck him down into the cocktail league. He needs some conditioning, work on his skills a little bit, a little bit of his Japan skills, so... Uh, you never know, might get him back up here in the future, but he's on a two-way, so we're paying him a little less salary and uh, how to free up some cap space. Who's our minor league uh, affiliate? We need a, we need a, like a <laughs> developmental league or something like that. The Tuesday <laughs> Nooner. <laughs> Shank Barry from the basement, how's it going? Good boys, yeah, Barry's back uh, this week. I've actually had a couple of people message me. It's been funny or attach me to something, and it's like Barry. And then, so at first I was like, ah, oh, they just, you know, someone screws up my name every week. And then I'm like, oh no, they listen to the show. That's super funny. Yeah. So Barry's here and uh, ready to do Barry things because it's uh, coming up to birthday season. 
Yeah, I pick you. Sure. I always pick you for the nooner pick them to a Barry Shinkerick. I always think you're going <laughs> to score the first one. That's funny. You said birthday season last show. You had dropped that line and I texted you. You said it's coming up on birthday season. And you're like, what is, what is birthday season? I, I didn't stand, know that. Uh, I stand right and say that in this neck of the woods with, with my kids, man, their kids or their friends, it's birthday season, and it's like the 22 fresh gift cards, you can't beat it for a birthday present, and those things are being printed off like crazy upstairs. So it's it's birthday season, and of course you, you're that guy that's like, nope, it's actually September 9th is when most <laughs> birthdays are. You were the guy in like school, it's like, oh, dude, guys, I'm hungry. Like, uh, I could eat a horse. Well, actually, like Seinfeld, they, they do eat horses in Germany. Wikipedia guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Well, no, I honestly, I Googled it because I didn't know if that was actually a thing. <laughs> so I did. And then I Googled it and it came up September 9th or whatever oh, the date was. Is the most common birth date in history. So, yeah, birthday season is here with 22 fresh, apparently. Uh, guys, you know, we're going to get started here. We're going to do a lot throughout the show, the uh, the interview and whatnot, but we have to, off the start, um, mention, and we have people that listen across, uh, you know, Canada and, and into the States and Australia, everywhere, right? But uh, it, it's been a rough week in Saskatchewan, no doubt about it. Um, we're recording this on Tuesday, and shortly before noon today, uh, the RCMP in Saskatchewan, um, they located 15-year-old Jackson McDonald. And, and everyone that's been following Twitter, social, like everybody, Jarrett Stoll, right, from that from that area, he everyone was trying to look for him. And unfortunately, uh, they found the 15-year-old today. Uh, they haven't released much. Um, his, his dad, uh, Joey, you know, big uh, big hockey guy in the community, actually played some adult safe with him. His mom, Danny, is actually a pretty good hockey player too. So... It just hug, I guess, hug your uh, loved ones uh, and your kids a little tighter tonight. I don't even know what to say. Just, um, I would like to say thank you to all those people that were out there searching for him over the last few days. Um, you know, th- thanks for stepping up and helping out. And yeah, it, uh, as a parent, uh, even if you're not a parent, right? Um, that is, uh, that that's something that, uh, yeah, I don't even know what to say, guys. Yeah, I know it was terrible, Barney. I think you you kind of said it all. I think your your emotions and the way you're feeling is probably how everybody's feeling right now. So, yeah, can't can't imagine what his family, you know, the last few days leading up to now, and of course the news earlier today. It's can't imagine what they're going through. So, thoughts and prayers, or whatever you believe in or don't believe in, send a send it their way yeah. for sure. Yeah, and then um, we. Obviously, Hockey Saskatchewan podcast, right? We got to talk about uh, last week, boys. We lost uh, we lost one of the fellas, uh, fan of the program. He we had him on the program in that town hall. The uh, guy, you know, he's he's never really done it before. He didn't really listen, but he wanted to chime in on uh, on hockey in the province. And Dale Ulmer from Bethune uh, passed away last week. So uh, you know, condolences and to the. Uh, to Craig, Jordy, and, and Trent, and of course Rhonda, his wife. Fantastic, uh, fantastic people. If I can tell a couple of Dale Ulmer stories here quickly, boys, because you know, going back to senior hockey and what you guys will know this guy, you will for sure, Boz, is every like senior hockey team, town, and then just town in general, right? You always have that that one guy that just does everything, whether it's wash jerseys, he can fix the Zamboni, he can cook he can you know gets the guys to the whatever skate sharpen that was dale in bethune and then 
obviously an area people knew him around the province because the Bulldogs were such a wagon for a lot of years. And then his kids were such good hockey players as well. So I played in Bethune, lucky enough to, to play in Bethune when I was transitioning to Regina. So I was driving down my first year and sticks and gas, right? Belts. I don't know if you ever had the sticks and gas, uh, you know, different ways, different teams, right? I've had the envelope in the shoe at the end of the weekend. I've had, you know, you get it once a month, whatever. So in Bethune, sticks and gas, the first time they didn't have their bar open. It was like the hall was open and, and I went into the bathroom and I turn around and, and there's Dale. And Dale, for a lot of times, I think he wore like a nice denim coat or he wore a button-up coat with the pockets on the chest. And then he'd reach in, and it would be just a tight, rolled-up little, you know, wad of bills. Fives. <laughs> and, just, <laughs> and, and it would be so tightly rolled, and it would, he'd be like, Shank, here you go. And so that's how it started. And then I remember the next year the bar did open, so I'd, he'd wait, you know, I'm crushing a few, and he'd wait till I'd go to the bathroom, and he'd be like, and it was always like that little top pocket. And now whenever I see people using that top pocket, I'm just like, that's a Dale Elmer pocket. Like that's, yeah. that's, that pocket's utilized more than a guy would think. So, and then the other story I got to tell senior hockey, I was going to say it's our first or second year in Bethune. We had a good team and the highway hockey league to win it. You know, it's a big deal. And we were advancing. And then I think it was the second round. We played Avonlea and we had them on the ropes. We had like it was a best of five, and I forget what the series was at, but I, I we we had a chance to win out, and then because you know how you play, you both played senior hockey, you know it. it's like boom play, boom play again, and then if you're in provincials, you play the next week, and you're always playing right. Are up on Avonlea a chance to put them away, and we take like a ten day hiatus, and I'm like, well, we're out of provincials, I think, and I'm like, what is going on? And it story goes is they had Kendrick Exner in goal and he was unreal. And he was like the best part of their team. They had some good players like Harley McEwen, but you know, Harley was, you know, he was up and down the ice a lot in those playoffs, let's say. Right. So they had a good team, but Kendrick was made them tick. Their backup was, I don't even know, some local kid. So 10 days, roughly we don't play. And I'm like, what is going? And it was, Kendrick was gone to Mexico. And Dale would not let them make, force them to schedule the game. And it was like a league, like they should have scheduled in there. But Dale was such a freaking nice guy. He just said, okay, no, well, we'll wait till he gets back and then we'll play you. And then we lost. <laughs> I was like, oh, so every time once in a while I'd see him, I'm like, Dale, you just pissed me off when you never scheduled that game against that. We had him step on their throats, right? Like Kendrick was gone. But yeah, there's a. Uh, a couple of Dale stories, man. That guy is going to be missed in Bethune. I don't know if they named the campground after him or the hockey rink or something, but that guy was just, uh, you know, entrenched in that community. And Rhonda and Jordy and Kyle and uh, Trent and Craig, um, you know, Nooner boys, uh, obviously thinking about you last week, still thinking about you. And, and there's, there's a couple of funny little stories there about Dale, boys. Sorry to go on, to ramble on. No, no, all good. Um, I do remember that. Um, I never met him actually. I don't think I did anyway. Obviously, heard a lot about him, but I do remember when he phoned into our show there. And I actually remember what he said because he was talking about, you know, the money they used from the ice time was to pay the caretaker in Bethune. And I remember telling that story to so many people, like after when I was just talking about COVID and how it affected. And I remembered his call particularly. And I just wanted to say, um, 
anybody that saw the tweet that we sent out, there's just some really nice, uh, I guess in memoriams or however you were that for Dale from just some of our, you know, listeners and people that knew him. Like I know Kyle Ross posted a nice note saying how great Dale was. And he said, hope the rink upstairs stocked up on Bailey's for your game time coffees. And uh, Paul Lenzik had a nice, nice note. And and there was literally hundreds of messages uh, on Twitter. People thinking about Dale. So obviously left a huge impact in the Bethune and hockey communities. Well, that's good. We're uh, get rid of, get through that. We're uh, we're gonna try to bring people's spirits up tonight. Hey, uh, hey, Shink, we got a really good come up. Yeah, no, it's uh, I, and I'm craving Bailey's. Actually, now that yeah, I think I about one. it, uh, the come up. Actually, I didn't have one. Sorry, that last mountain cream. Yeah. That's what I just had. The hazelnut. Yeah. I just poured some over ice. Just a little sip after supper. That's what I just had. Yeah, crushed it. Was great. Uh, what What's the uh, the last mountain? What did we get? The root beer schnapps, or what kind of schnapps did we get there? Yeah, I got root beer. That's what I made butter, my uh, why butter ripple. Was that oh, some butter ripple? I got root beer, but you probably have. Actually, those would be good together. Uh, oh, you're you man, you're a mixed shot guy. You are a mixed shot guy, Boz. Yeah, yeah. The why wouldn't like, a guy? You guys remember that one? It was the root beer schnapps and the cherry whiskey with a splash of Pepsi. Uh, we got crippled on those one night. <laughs> I, I, I kind of remember. Why wouldn't a guy? Or why wouldn't a girl? Yeah, the why wouldn't a guy? That was uh, that was a nice cocktail. Uh, let's get on to the come up here and twirl forty-seven. Wow, that's a lot of it's a lot of twirls for Joel Trap. And Rob Peterson, Realty One. I was actually with Rob last weekend. I don't know when the when that guy sleeps. And I'm sure Trapper's the same way. Like they are just buzzing out there, listing houses, um, closing deals, interest rates, like we talked about before, help. So those are your guys in Regina and area, Realty One, supporters of the pod, Trapper and Robbie Peterson. So coming up in the program, the interview, TSN. Longtime TSN sportscaster. He's written a number of books. We're going to talk about his his latest book and his latest podcast, James Duthie. Uh, <laughs> hilarious guy. Obviously, some really uh, wicked stories. Uh, you're going to have to tune in for that. Senior hockey player of yesteryear. We're going to go up north for that little senior hockey talk and teeing up another senior hockey special coming up. In on uh, I don't even know when that's coming up, boss. Probably in the next week or so, right? We're gonna be yeah, probably next week. We'll get it out to the folks. It's gonna be a good one. Shoutouts as always for Synergy AG and take a seat, son, and just uh, the regular Japanese. So yeah, that's the come up for Joel Trap and Robbie Peterson at Real T One. Yeah, last episode, guys. Uh, of course. We always like to go back and look back at uh, the previous episode and chat about uh, the weapon we had on last week. Actually, we had three weapons last week. We had uh, Michael Garnett, Braden Moscowie from the Briar Bubble, and uh, Kevin Waugh. What do you guys uh, take away from last week? Anything stand out from, uh, I guess, maybe listener feedback or things that made you chuckle when you listened to the show? I think the biggest thing that I got was that there was a lot less foul language last show uh but no everybody thought it was fantastic and and mike like some really good stories like those russian stories and stuff uh really incredible what a ride he's on right now and uh kind of makes me jealous that i'm kind of living vicariously through him right now i don't know how you guys are but i like to listen to other podcasts and i really not just hockey but everything and i really it like to listen a guy that i've never really heard of and there's probably a lot of people that never heard of michael garnett before but I um, encourage you to listen to that 
pod because yeah, his story, that meteor story. Oh, wow. And then Crazy. just getting passed up another guy that just got passed up and passed up and he, and he made it work. And then now what him and his wife are doing in that little plane, like, un. Unreal. Then Kevin Waugh joined us talking gambling. Boss, you uh, you got the sense that uh, old K-Dub likes to chuck a few down here and there. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No, I uh, just the, the lingo he was using and the way he was talking about the odds and stuff. I'm like, oh, yeah, Mr. Kevy Waugh's put together a parlay or two in his day. I haven't seen Barney. I got to say, I haven't seen Boz that excited for a guest for a really long time. Like he was zoned in all jacked up. He was really pumped. It was great. You got to remember, I, I grew up on Kevin Waugh, like every night, right? Hometown CTV hero. Saskatoon. Hometown Watch heroes. That every, every day. Yeah. I didn't hear what you said, Shink. Hometown heroes. Yeah. Hometown <laughs> heroes came to the Wilkie Golf Club. Wazzy hit it. Three went off the first tee. I love when he talked about how bad the odds are for parlays. And that's like all I play. Like tonight I got a three-gamer that's not going to come in. I'm just like, oh, Kev, yeah, no, I'm embarrassed. But and then uh... <laughs> We're going to talk more about that because I got some gambling stories. And I am going to get into some gambling picks because anybody who followed, followed last week, I, uh, I gave you guys a winner. You, Justin Thomas. You did you, pick the winner, 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 chicken dinner, yeah. You and should. I hammered the briar. It continued the whole way through. So See, I didn't take Justin Thomas until uh, Saturday, right? So I, I didn't. I totally forgot. I wasn't even going to bet on golf, and then I'm like, "Us oh, the players on Sunday sit on the coach." But yeah, good pick there, man. That was awesome. Yeah, you get lucky every once in a while. I think I did that segment for like the first 20 episodes, didn't hit one, but it's back, and it might be here to stay for sure. Pick a few winners. That is the. Last show recap for Synergy AG. Brad Hamner and the fellas and ladies are working real hard right now. Uh, this whole COVID thing, because I, I guess got a funny feeling like they would probably have some like open house action coming up here pretty soon. Um, fields are muddy, but uh, things are going to be drying up uh, in a lot of areas uh, pretty quick. Well, some, your egg report. Some of, the, muddy. some of the fields that I drove by last weekend nitrogen but. looks really good nitrogen levels are we go good. we go down to the field field level with shank field level what's, what's the barney, moisture yeah. level like oh things are muddy. Uh, <laughs> any grasshopper eggs down there barney i would like top soil moisture things are muddy <laughs> fuck you guys i would like to uh i would like to drive a combine once just like a one little swoop back and forth however they do that nowadays we used to drive the old ones back in the day. We had a farm up by Waldeck, the old open, open cock shots, I think they called them. Just give her with my grandpa back in the day. Not like today's combines. Oh, not even close. I mean, most no. of them nowadays got auto steer and stuff like that. They go in a straight line for you. But uh, I started pretty young running combines. My dad would just say, as long as it's coming in the front and out the back, and you can't smell the smoke. Just keep going. And if it stops going in the front or you stop seeing it come out the back or you smell smoke, shut it off. So that was all you needed to know. I just rem- that hard. I just remember as a kid got going out to like farms and prude home and stuff for relatives. And it was there was always that like that uncle or cousin or whatever that was like missing digits. And it's like, oh, yeah, yeah, because he was trying to pull out, you know, the and harvest. And then his hand got caught. And I'm like you know, four years old or five years old. I'm like, what the, f- explain this to me. So every time that cousin or uncle or whatever comes around, you're just sitting there staring at his digits, like a total pigeon. 
And speaking of farm and shank, you know, I'm going to bring something up. We are a hockey pod, obviously. So bring up the old Hodgeville, Hodgeville Huskies. I had a buddy of mine, Gordy, texted me and said, uh, if we could just mention this, Hodgeville is having their, they, they do like a rink online auction, but they're doing it online, obviously, with COVID this year. It's going to be March 21st to the 23rd. And honestly, it's it's what they do to keep their rink going. That's how they raise their money to keep that place open and keep the, you know, the senior team playing, all the kids, the ice in in Hodgeville. So we'll uh, we'll get more information on that when we get a tweet and we'll uh, we'll shout it out there. But uh, anyways, listen to this. Yeah, check them out the twenty first to the twenty third and get in on that online auction for the Hodgeville rink. Sounds like a good time to go into those uh, those shout outs this week. Always a fun part of the show. Uh, shouting out people in the area, in the province, whatever. And I wanted to just uh, start off. We talked a little bit about last episode and the Briar and Braden Moscowie. I wanted to give a bit of a shout out to the big man himself, Braden Moscowie, Team Dunstone. Um, the Monday Nooner kind of became a curling pod there for uh, a few days. I'm sure there's a few people that follow us that were getting sick of my my curling tweets, but Saskatchewan is all about uh, supporting our teams and our guys. And a lot of people got behind that wagon, uh, the Wadena wagons there uh, that aren't curling fans. Did you guys like tune in? And by the way, Mosk was the top third in the Briar. So that's quite the honor, really. God, man, like that one shot, the last shot, like the one, like the 2% of that would ever make that shot. And he made it. I mean, Hats off to, to those guys, the Alberta Grink there that won. Like they they deserved it, right? Like it was no what a game. It was a, both games are fantastic. I am not like super hardcore, but I definitely followed it and watched that game and everything. And, and Mosk is a beauty. I was watching it early, and what's the what's the skip from Alberta? Botcher. Yeah, so he like Botcher. comes out of the hack. And I don't know if he's super flexible or whatever, but then he kind of comes out of the hack and then he squats. Like when my five-year-old daughter can't make it to Saskatoon and there's no bathrooms around, and we got to pull yeah. over on the side of the highway. And I'm like, oh, like I, I can't even imagine crouching like that anymore. And then, yeah, that, that shot at the end was a huge uh, gut punch. But that team Dunstone, man, they handled that like really well, that loss. Well, Dunstone, like they showed him right after and he honestly looked, he was in shock, which you can't blame him. But I know we were texting at that moment. And I think I said, I said, if there's a guy who he can make this, like, yeah, I mean, I knew he had a chance to make that shot. And I think for Saskatchewan, you know, when they said it after they did everything they could do, you give the other team that shot. Like, I don't think Sass could have played a much better game than they did. No. That Dunstone seems like a beauty too. He's the only one who's not uh, from Sask originally, of course, in curling, you're allowed one import, but, uh, Dunner's not from Sask, but I think Saskatchewan kind of adopted him. And he's one of those guys, like a good, you can tell he's a good teammate, a guy you'd want to go to bat with, whether it's curling or Beers. hockey or whatever sport, or just having some cocktails with the guys. But uh, yeah. shout out to Team Dunstone, especially our buddy Mosk, and uh, they'll be back for sure. I would uh, place a futures bet that they'll win a briar in the next three to five years. Yeah, no, congrats to those guys. Uh, my shout out this week actually kind of, it's kind of fitting, you know, uh, one of our longtime listeners, Tyler Krenbrink and his wife, Amanda, they just lived down the street from me. They actually just moved out to, uh, to uh, Regina beach and having some problems. I don't know if it was with our furnace or what they were uh, having problems with. He texted me and I told him to beat it. Cause I don't know what I'm doing. Anyway, he phoned the boys over arrow plumbing and heating and Jeff, I'm going to butcher this, but if you got a pigeon bet last name like this, you deserve for it to be butchered. 
Ostrazenik. Ostrazenik? Something like that. Anyway, take a seat. Send anyway, Jeff was out me. there. Huge reviews from Tyler said they were unbelievable. Fixed everything up. Top notch. Great prices. Aero plumbing and heating. So, hey, shout out to those guys for doing good business this day and age and in this current climate. I don't have a, uh, like a one person to shout out this week. I just want to mention to all, all the people out there, and, you know, we've been doing this for a while now, and I kind of do this from time to time. I can get a little sappy, but thanks to like people that just DM us or uh, message us and say, hey, keep up the good work. You know, you guys are doing awesome on the pod. Like, I love listening to just, I got long drives or I got this or I got that. So to all those people and, and the people that use our sponsors and then DM us and be like, hey, I use this guy, just like you just mentioned, Belter, right? Like, that is so huge. And we just appreciate, you know, all that kind of feedback. And yeah, some of our feedback, you know, people are like, you guys are idiots. And like we talked about Snowflake guy last week, right? Who... um you know, in his VW, yeah, he doesn't like us, but that's okay. We're not, uh, we're not catering to mainline doesn't sell any VWs. Let's get in. Can we get into mainline? Let's get into finish the shout outs here first. Um, and, and the shout outs boss, but yeah, we'll get into mainline shout outs tonight, guys brought to you by cathedral electric serving Regina and area honest pricing. Anything you need at the house, cottage or farm phone, the boys over at cathedral electric and gentle procedures, Saskatchewan, no needle, no scalpel vasectomy. I heard I got a tweet about that barn. Somebody said there, or somebody texted you. They had a went in there, a little zip zip, and they were all done up and told me to suck it up and take a weekend off and just get her done. Take a seat, belts. We talked about that last week. All right, yeah. So I uh, anyway, yeah, no, great. Uh, I, I got to get it done. I really do because I don't need another uh, one barreling around my upstairs that I can hear them right now. So uh, two's enough. It's hard to believe that you don't. And how about you know what? How about a shout out for Belter? Uh, you got to take a screenshot of this uh, operation here, Boz. He's got the the green painter's tape back, but he taped up a Wagon shirt. It looks <laughs> so cheesy that it's awesome. I love it. You're really running with that. That's uh, that's good stuff. Yeah, interior designer. <laughs> um, but anyway, let's get back to mainline and uh, VW guy in if you want to trade that thing in before the summer hits and you and your wife are going to hop, throw the canoe on top and uh, go bathe in lakes, like I talked about last week, mainline Chrysler in Rosetown, mainline GM in Rosetown, the king of trucks, worth the drive every time, as Boz always said. So still in March here, remember, it's truck month at mainline GM. Up to ten grand total cash value on 2021 GMC Sierra and Chevy Silverado 1500, or you can finance for that zero percent for 72 months. Then over at the Dodge Ram, Chrysler, Jeep. There's some wicked freaking deals on Jeeps right now, and I, man, I would like to be Jeep guy one summer, and my wife would really love it. But you know what I don't understand about if we talk about Jeeps, I know got a lot of buddies that buy like those side-by-side ranger quad things they're like 35 grand i'm like why just buy a jeep yeah they're like cheaper way better i don't understand that i don't understand guy, why they're guys do that to have yeah those yeah. sides are they're nice they would be but i mean i, I mean for no, me obviously I just buy if, a jeep. if you live out on the country and you have you know farmland you're buzzing around to or whatever it doesn't make much sense maybe in the city but yeah those side-by-sides why wouldn't a guy get a side-by-side and a jeep that's what I'm getting. There's not. I, I told my wife like when last summer, I think when we we're again, I was going through the whole Jeep thing, and I was. She's like, oh, I'm gonna drive it, and I'm like, Yeah, and I'm like, 
you know what? Hot chick driving Jeep. That's who you're going to be. And you're going to get all the, the hong and the perverts and the white sunglasses guys. <laughs> yeah. To, you know, but yeah. So anyways, sorry to sidetrack here. Mainline Chrysler, um, they got their loyalty bonus thing going on right now for 2021. So if you're thinking about upgrading to a Dodge Ram, a Jeep, whatever, uh, the boys at Mainline Chrysler in Rosetown will hook you up. And then across the street at Mainline GM, they're worth the drive every time. My mom just bought a Jeep, so maybe we'll get her on the show in a couple weeks what to kind? give a report. What kind? I'm not sure, really, to be honest. Cherokee? Mrs. Or- B, Mrs. B. Top down, over in hand, all just cruising, <laughs> pumping the six by nines. Hey, what's her band? What's her go-to band? What, what is she like? Is she a Beatles? Brand Moran. <laughs> ABBA? Take a chance. Brand Moran and the Nervous Rex. The Alpine, the Alpine bass would just be jamming. Get in her vehicle and something's missing here by Fran Moran is on. <laughs> anyway, I shouldn't have brought that up, but yeah, we'll see. Uh, I'll ask her in a couple weeks how she's liking the Jeep and send people to Rosetown to get one. Barney, you know, last week I got introduced to those copper beer from Great West. From You and Chris showed them, showed them to me, and Chris, uh, Chris hooked me up with one, and... I'm not going to lie. I think I got about eight down in about four days here. They are deadly. So if anybody's like, if you're thinking, if any of you guys like are those, you know, hashtag like craft beer guy, try this. They're really good. And no aftertaste. I, I mean, I, I thought they were fantastic and I'm not a big beer guru, but I thought they were great. Hell of a way to go into, we are pretty soon. It's going to be slow pitch guys going to be back. Every week we talked about this making an appearance because there isn't a lot of snow and he's going to be starting to take cuts out in the field. Him and his uh, his girlfriend or his ex uh, baby mama or whatever. He's going to yeah. be out there with the pail of balls and just taking deep cuts, trying to trying to get that swing in order. So if you're a baseball team, if you're going to fire up this year, you're looking for a beer deal, just like we did with senior hockey. Our friends at Great Western will get you hooked up, DM us, and uh, you can slide in, whether it's your ball team, your kids' ball teams, if the dads are going to be drinking. Um, that might be a little offside. I'm not sure. Soccer, wh- whatever you guys are playing. Fishing fishing guy. And hit and hit us up. We got extra Nooner stickers for your knee brace, for sure. You know those guys? <laughs> <laughs> Slow pitch guys, definitely. There's like 10 knee braces a team. We'll, we'll hook you up with stickers, Nooner stickers for your braces. <laughs> Uh, that's uh, that's a good one. You know what I uh, I look forward to is the the rattlers, the Great West rattlers. Those oh, yeah. are a nice slow pitch summertime on the boat, Goes cabin on the easy. deck, hair of the dog, eight a.m. at the lake, yeah. kind of cocktail. So good. Yeah, I like it. I like see, and I like the prairie uh, prairie Meat. wheat, prairie whites. At, oh, the whites, yeah. With the oh, you put the orange in there. You said I just put a sh- little shot of orange juice. Yeah. So oh, hey, yeah. we got a. We're a different, uh, like it, that we're all running something different here. It's good, but that's Divers. those coppers, those coppers uh, belts, as you mentioned. I uh, brought so a guy up to my, uh, to the lobstick in Waskasu about three years ago, and he drank, he drank them up there, and he was just like, this is the best beer I've ever drank. He's from Arizona. Fantastic. From Arizona, yeah. right? And he's just like, can you bring me some down? Yeah, so. Had two, he was loaded. <laughs> <laughs> Classic American. Hey, we should, uh, I don't know what you guys think, we should probably get into the interview we've, uh gotten pretty far into the show here i'm sure people are excited uh to check out this week's guest interview time as always kent bittner bittner mortgages or 
mortgagefrommycouch.com. That's right. You can just do it. If you don't really want to go see anybody, you're kind of like, what am I going to get approved at here? I don't know. Just go mortgagefrommycouch.com. Go through the whole process. And there you go. No one, no one's any wiser. And then if uh, if it comes out on your side, perfect. Then they'll contact you. You might never have to see them. Actually, you just sign everything virtually. So, Bittner Mortgages, Kent Bittner, and uh, MortgageFromMyCouch.ca. Thanks for the sponsorship of the interview. This guy, born May thirteenth, nineteen sixty six, in Ottawa. Born in May. Birthday season. <laughs> born in May. Birthday season. Uh, born in Ottawa, traveled around the country, as you're going to hear. I'm not going to give it all away. These guys will yell at me. Um, longtime member and uh, staple on TSN. Heck of a guy. His freaking podcast is funny. His new book is funny. We're going to get to that. And some of his stories, whether it's Masters or CFL or whatnot. Everybody, here we go with a little James Duffy. James uh Let's let's fly here. Let's have some fun. So I, I remember when you came on to to the scene at TSN. I thought you you were hilarious, and you know it's kind of. I almost feel like that's around when broadcasting they started to get a little personality in and, and whatnot. But if you go way back as a kid, like I understand your dad uh, was in the RCMP. Uh, who was James Duthie as, as a kid? Oh, that's a great question. I'm probably a pretty nerdy kid. Like, I thought I was cool. I played all sports and everything, but terrible with girls and all those other things. I was, uh, it's funny, my wife just found a yearbook the other day, and I was always paranoid my ears were too big. And so I, you know, long hair in the, like, 70s, I would put it all over forward in my ear. I kind of ended up looking like Princess Leia in some ways. (laughs) Just horribly, horribly uh, awful-looking kid. Um, But I think... I, I had a group of friends in Ottawa that were uh, complete idiots. Uh, basically, from I, I guess most of my best friends that I would still go on golf trips with, like in the summer, are from grade three. Like there's about six of us, and then we you know we pick up a guy in grade six and another guy in grade nine, another guy in grade ten. But it was a real Benetton ad of guys in high school. <laughs> like there was two Jamaicans, a Sri Lankan. Um, a Korean, a Chinese guy, uh, you know, two or three white guys, an Indian guy. And so we just, it was just nonstop comedy and some really funny guys. Like, I think I was probably one of the least funny guys, but I, I grew up in an environment where it was just joke, joke, endless joke, nothing else. Yeah. And, uh, so that's probably why I tried to do that when I, when I got to television. Your dad's stops are, are where before you guys, before you kind of, you know, base camp becomes Ottawa. Like where, where do you live mm. uh, before that? Yeah. my So my dad was RCMP and uh, I was born in Ottawa, but at six weeks old, moved to Edmonton. Um, we live next door to the family of Cliff Coral, who used to play for the Blackhawks in, in Stan Makita's days. And I think that's probably where my love of sports was born. Blackhawks were my first favorite team when I got old enough. I was one at the time. I don't remember this. <laughs> but, you know, when I got to four or five, my dad said, yeah, we used to live next door to that guy. And so I became a Blackhawks fan. So we moved from Edmonton to, I got to keep this straight, Halifax. I was sort of prime nursery school in Halifax. Uh, then Victoria. My dad was getting transferred all the time. Uh, which, a good thing, I guess. He kept getting promoted. And then Victoria back to Ottawa. All of this before I was back in Ottawa for grade three. So all of that was in the first uh, six, seven years of my life. And then Ottawa basically from then on out. 
so you 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 play the sports. You, you know, you say you play the sports. Obviously, hard to play hockey in Victoria. Uh, you know, when you talk to to any guys out there, yeah, where you know where you just kind of just a, a guy on a team. You know, you tried all the sports. Was there one that you gravitated to before you gravitated to football? Later, was there one that you gravitated to as a kid a little bit more? Yeah, hundred percent soccer. Uh, Victoria was all a soccer town, and. Uh, I was an embarrassment. I, at four years old, I think my dad took me out for soccer, and he used to tell this story often that it was like a rainy night as you got in Victoria, and I got my hands muddy, and I ran off the field like in the middle of the game, like screaming like a like I'd been murdered, like my hands, <laughs> my hands, my hands, dad, my hands. And I think he he was so embarrassed by this that he signed up to coach the next year so he could deal with me. And I got decent at soccer, um, and my dad coached me. We came to Ottawa, and, and I played. Soccer was the sport I was decent at uh, growing up till I was uh, about 18. I, I loved football, and that was a passion on the side. I started playing hockey. So in Victoria, the soccer season goes from, like, October to April. Like you play all winter, right? And so I never really played hockey. So when I moved to Ottawa, I was eight, and I didn't know how to skate. And Ottawa – huge hockey town, you know, just like all Saskatchewan and everybody, I was so far behind. So my dad signed me up for house league the first year. I couldn't skate. I had those big like Micron mascot or Lang molded, molded skates. Yeah. He didn't buy me a jock because he, he was cheap for one. And two, he's like, nobody can raise the puck. You're fine. So I always say, you know, all children are miracles. I always say to my three, you guys are true miracles. And I had this horrible nose guard. I don't know if you guys remember the yeah. time. You can find it on YouTube. Just before before Shields, it was just this little nose guard that went down around your face. Just the <laughs> ugliest thing ever. And uh, and that's my first couple years of hockey. And I didn't really catch up till I played, I think, one year rep my last year when I was 14. Um and then I got into girls and, and downhill skiing and, and, and into football and, and so quick. So I was never a great hockey player. So <laughs> my last year, I was pretty good. I remember I led the team. I was all upset because I led the team in scoring. And we had a big party at the end of the year. And the, this coach was going to give – he said, I'm going to give an outstanding player, an MVP, most goals, most assists, most points. And I'm like, oh, I'm going to win all of these. <laughs> and uh, we had nobody to play goal that year. So they stuck some defenseman in goal named Andrew Bush. So we get to the party and it's like, all right, the MVP is, I'm getting up out of my seat, Andrew Bush. <laughs> Damn it. He's like, now the most outstanding player. Okay. He's got me. Andrew Bush. And I'm like, he won every award. And I, I sitting there with, I got one little tiny trophy for like top score. And that was my bitterness at hockey that I think I quit. Andrew, did, did Andrew ever go anywhere? Like, was he a... No, he was a feeling. Like, the guy had about an 8.9 goals against average. But because he was the only one who volunteered to play in goal, the coach felt... And they gave him, like, the coach gave him, like, a new set of goalie pads, all this stuff. And I was so bitter that night. Andrew Bush was a good guy, by the way. But uh, I was still bitter at him for many years. Who were, who were the guys... You know, because you're a little bit older older than me, but, I, man, I remember those days as a kid, right? You you kind of watch guys play and teams play. Like, who were the guys where you're watching hockey that you're like, oh, wow, it's so cool? I was a big goalie guy. I was never a goalie, but I just loved the gear. Like, who do you remember right. watching and you were like, oh, that's so sick. That guy's flowing. He's got no helmet on and he's just ripping around. For me, it was Tony Esposito in the early days. Um, 
because of the Chicago thing, and I wanted to be a goalie. When, when we played street hockey, I always wanted to play goalie, and I'm left-handed. So uh, my dad, I remember one Christmas, had to look everywhere to find like a blocker and trapper for lefties, which were really hard to find. And uh, that was one of the greatest Christmas gifts I ever had. So, and then Jerry Cheevers, I love the, the mask. Yeah. It was all messed up. But I think the first guy I loved was Denny Potvin. And when I was in Ottawa, because he played in Ottawa, and then then I switched over to the Islanders. I was one of those guys who switched teams a lot. But I followed Denny Potvin to the Islanders, which is perfect timing, because then they went and went all the Stanley Cups. So yeah. uh, I was one of the few Islander fans in my school, and I would just – strut around because we won every single year it was the best i remember speaking of masks man do, you, do you, either of you guys remember murray bannerman's mask chicago nope. blackhawks oh he had a sick sick yeah there, yeah uh, there was some awesome because that back then there wasn't that much in sports like that yeah so the cool first few cool masks were kind of the first individualism we saw in hockey and they, they were awesome and I think it was, uh, well, Billy Smith, you know, and, and Morgan Fear, they had colored pads. But I remember Yari Taco from the Minnesota North Stars had like all white. Like it was all white, all white gear in his hockey card. And I was like, oh, I, I want to be that guy, but I don't want to be a goalie. So he bought you the blocker and catcher. Uh, yeah. any, any, did he buy you a jock at that point too? Or Yeah, I, I, no, he never did. <laughs> I don't think I ever had the jock. I think I played my entire career without the jock. <laughs> Um, you, you kind of get a little bit older and the way I understand it, like you, you, you went to university, you wanted to be like Jerry D, right? Like you wanted to be like a phys ed teacher and, and then you kind of went to, went to the broadcast side. Well, I didn't know what I wanted to do. Like a lot of kids, um, I played high school football and was a decent high school football player and I got recruited by McGill. And I was actually going to play. They, they came down. I was thinking they were both soccer and football. They were interested in, in me at McGill, but that was the only school, by the way, that showed any interest. So I'm not sitting here bragging about this high level recruit. <laughs> uh, but McGill was the one school that liked me. And uh, so I, I was looking at McGill programs and I thought, oh, phys ed, I'll go to McGill. I'll play football for five years. I'll take phys ed. I'll be a gym teacher. I'll climb the rope for the rest of my life. <laughs> Greatest feeling ever, right? So, <laughs> I mean, imagine getting to climb the rope yeah. for free after all the kids are gone. So, uh, no women will understand that yeah. joke. That's a, yeah. what was that, Wayne's World, they explained that joke? I yeah. can't remember. Yeah. But it was an un- unbelievable sensation. We all became men climbing the rope. <laughs> but, yeah, so I, and then I threw in a few other things. I remember being in the guidance counselor's office and saying, they're like, what do you like? And I said, well, I like sports. That's about all I like in life, sports and girls. And... So she kind of typed it in and up came sports administration at Laurentian and journalism popped up at Carleton. And I think those, those are the three programs I applied for sports admin at Laurentian phys ed at McGill and journalism at Carleton and was going to go to McGill was all ready to go to McGill. And I don't know at the last second, I think I had this sort of, I'd like to say in retrospect, it was a bolt of lightning. It probably wasn't, but I'm like, wow, you know, I, I could go to McGill and have a great time. But do I want to be a gym teacher for the rest of my life? No offense to gym teachers. I love them. Or, you know, could I do something cooler? And I thought maybe with journalism, if I couldn't be by that time, I'd realized I wasn't. I truly believe, by the way, in grade 13 at Gloucester High School that I was going to play in the NFL. <laughs> I was a I was a 510 155 pound white cornerback with average speed 
And I believed I was playing for the Niners. <laughs> and if you look at my high school yearbook, it's, I was going to go to the other thing was Clemson. I was in love with Clemson University. And I, I always, my dream was to date like a cheerleader with a paw on her face. <laughs> my wife will still put one on sometimes on Saturday night, you know. To, um, so I was, it says in my yearbook, James is going to go to Clemson and play for the 49ers. That was my dream. And so I was just completely delusional. And I thought the CFL would be my fallback if I, if I didn't make the Niners. But then I, <laughs> I, I didn't get any, I wrote a letter to Clemson. I didn't get anything back. I realized that it was going to be if I wanted to pay on my own about 60 grand a year to go to Clemson. That wasn't happening. And so I said, okay, I'm not going to make it in the NFL. Maybe I can be a broadcaster. I'll go take journalism at Carleton. And that's what I did and uh, uh, probably ended up being a pretty good choice. Played some football at Carleton? I did not. And that's the – when we got to Carleton, they said in journalism that you couldn't play football because all of our assignments were at night when practices were. Now I don't know if that if I'd a you know if I was a really special player. If the, <laughs> yeah. if, I think Ace Powell was the coach back then. He probably would have gone and said, "This guy's playing for my team," but I wasn't that, and so uh, <laughs> I just sort of accepted it and became a touch and flag football legend, at I, least legend in my own mind. Did you ever drop? <laughs> did you ever drop? Hey, you know what? Like I've talked to I've talked to Clemson, like just just to maybe get a little bit of clout. <laughs> okay, so. I'll tell this story quickly because I've told it on my podcast. Anybody who listens to my podcast will know this story, but it's what it's a very embarrassing story, but you guys will like it. You know how sometimes guys go out, particularly in their twenties and, and they might lie about who they are, you know, in a bar situation or a road trip. So I was, I think 25 and I was working as a news reporter in Ottawa and I was in Acapulco <laughs> with a buddy and we were in a bar and I'm talking to some girl and I said, oh, yeah, I'm a news reporter in Ottawa, which I was at the time. And uh, she goes, oh, there's a guy from the NHL here. It's Mike Ricci from the Quebec Nordiques. And I said, where? She said, over in the corner. I look <laughs> over in the corners. There's this, there's this like 5'5 five, five kid who doesn't look at all like Mike Ricci. And he's got about eight <laughs> girls around him. So, so I go over and I'm like, hey, how you doing? And he goes, hey, Mike Ricci, Quebec Nordiques. And I go, hey, James Duffy, I actually interviewed you a few weeks ago uh, when you were in town. And he's like, oh, buddy, please don't say anything. Please don't say anything. And uh, anyway, that's just the backdrop to I got had a few beers that night, and I, I thought that was hilarious. And so we were in a cab on the way home, and we split a cab. These three guys get in the bar, uh, come out of the bar with us and said, uh, hey, you want to split a cab back to the hotels? We're like, sure. So I'm in the cab, a little bit drunk. And uh, these guys are like, what do you do? And I look at my friend and I go, ah, I play soccer at Clemson. Right. (laughs) And they go, not word of a lie. They go, we play at North Carolina. (laughs) What's your, what's your name? And I go, oh, (laughs) I go, ah, my name's uh, James Duffy. And they're like, we know every player on Clemson. There's no James Duffy. And I go, yeah, guys, actually, I'm a little older. I, uh, I graduated two years ago. And they're like, well, you got to know, like, Mikey Smith, right? I'm like, uh, yeah. They're like, he was All-American four years in a row. And I go, Cabby, could you just pull over and just let us out right now? Cord. One time in my life, I decide to lie and tell one of those stories. And for no reason, it wasn't even girls. It was three guys in a cab. But for no reason, I decide I'm going to tell a lie. And I decide to be a Clemson soccer player. And the guys in the cab are at the arch rival school 
to Clemson and they all play soccer. And so anyway, all my buddies joke. They always say my alma mater. And when Clemson soccer was on, it's like all my friends say you play for them, right? Oh, that's, anyway, that's, uh, that's how much I love the Clemson Tigers. I can't even remember what your question was. <laughs> <laughs> so, so watching TV, you know, you're not, you know, you're going to go into journalism. You're watching TV. Who are the guys that you're, you know, focused on? And, and those are the guys you're, you know, you're going to be like. Yeah, that's a great question. And I don't know that I have an, I think uh, because I watched a lot of NFL in my teenage years, it was more, you know, a Bob Costas type. He used to host NFL Today on NBC. And maybe, again, this might be uh, revisionist history uh, of me looking back. But I think in looking back that I thought, man, that guy's got a cool job. He talks about the NFL every weekend. He just comes on at halftime, uh, which ended up being my career, basically. Just talk for 10 <laughs> minutes at halftime or the intermission. That's it. Uh, but I was more influenced, I would say, by uh, somebody like David Letterman. Uh, back in my day, Letterman was just starting out. He had an afternoon show at, when I was probably 12 years old that I would watch. And then he morphed into the late night on NBC before he got popular. And I would watch that every night. And I related more to Letterman's humor and the way he conducted interviews. And so when someone says that, like, I'm sure I, I love Dave Hodge and you know, when Ron McClain, when he started and all those guys, but I, I gravitated more towards Dave Letterman as an inspiration uh, and probably a problematic inspiration. Some of the stupid stuff I've done on TV. I apologize to my bosses, but uh, those that guy probably influenced me more than anybody else. I, I was I thought maybe there'd be like some maybe like a, a Lloyd Robertson or a, like John Wells. Like you mentioned the old guys, like when TSN first, even a Stu Jeffries from Good Rock and Tonight. We all watched oh, that yeah. as a kid. Oh yeah, Stu <laughs> Jeffries. And uh, it's funny, like that was still an amazing thing when I started at TSN, like to walk into the makeup room and Lloyd's there. That was still a very cool thing because he'd been on my TV set forever. But I was that way in Ottawa. My, you know, my parents, our generation were disciples of local news and the local sportscasters in Ottawa were, were heroes of mine. And when I got into the business, when I went to Carleton, I wasn't thinking about TSN or national. I just thought if I could host the local sports in Ottawa, that would be the most amazing thing ever. Right. And when I when I started working at that station, it was the same thing. Holy crap! There's Brian Smith and Bill Patterson, JJ Clark, the weatherman. It was so cool. Do you want to talk about that uh, getting that first gig, or was that is that a little too somber? Uh, totally, I mean, totally up to you guys. Yeah, uh, I, I think I, it's I don't a... mind talking about it. Like, oh, it's yeah, <laughs> uh, it's a different tone than the rest of what we've been talking about. But um, like I said, I grew up watching this guy, Brian Smith, every night. He was an ex-journeyman NHL player who became the big-time star sportscaster in Ottawa. And when when I got my first job, it was as a news reporter in Ottawa. Uh, there was no jobs in sports. Brian and Bill were the two guys who'd been there forever at, uh, at CJOH. And so I would just hang out in the back. I would go file my news story covering a fire or a murder or whatever and then go hang out in the back with those guys because they were awesome guys and, uh, and legends. So I was uh, on vacation in Halifax. I think I might have been 26 or something and uh, had been out drinking with a bunch of friends and slept on somebody's couch. And this uh, this girl, one of the roommates in the house, woke me up in the morning and said, uh, I guess they knew who I was a little bit, and said, uh, do you know Brian Smith? And I said, uh, yeah. And she said, you better turn on the television. And it and Smitty had been shot in the head the night before walking out of the station. 
Uh, and I won't get too long-winded with the story. It was a schizophrenic who wanted to get before a judge. And in his warped mind, the best idea to get before a judge was to kill somebody. So he drove to our station, waited for the first person he recognized. And Smitty finished his sports cast and walked out of the station. And it was the first guy he recognized and, and caught him uh, right in the head. And so I called the station, obviously, in shock. And they said, uh, we need you to fly back and do the sports tonight because Billy's a mess. Uh, Billy Patterson, who was Brian's you know, best friend and colleague. And uh, so I got on a plane and flew back. And that was, uh, it wasn't my first sports cast because I'd filled in a few times, but I think it was my first six o'clock sports cast. And as I got in the cab, Brian was in a coma at the time, but uh, we learned he'd passed away while I was in the cab. And it was just the strangest thing. You got to the station and there was a million reporters and suddenly you're walking through all them and everyone in the newsroom is bawling. And I got to somehow uh, do a, a five-minute sports cast, and uh, I was always—I'll always say—I was never super nervous again on TV because I'll never do anything harder than that. Uh, and I just—I finished it and found a stairwell somewhere and bawled for about forty minutes. But that's how I, I broke into sports casting. Was I ended up uh, filling in and moving in with Bill into the into the sports department, and I ended up leaving a year and a half later, essentially because I couldn't handle that you know you you get the break that you've wanted your entire career and it comes in the most horrific fashion that one could possibly imagine um i won't pretend brian was my best friend ever but we were good friends we'd hang out golf and things and and uh it just never seemed right to me so even though i love that job I, I i had to leave and i actually took a i sort of gave up on sports and took a news reporter job in in vancouver just to get away and then TSN happened to call six months later. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah it's yeah, it still boggles story. the mind. There was an I think we were twenty five years or something just recently, and uh, it was yeah. it's still strangest time in my life in many ways. First gig at TSN, so they they bring you in and they say, "Hey, mm-hmm. I'm sure you did an audition at some point before, and they they had your tapes mm-hmm. and all that." And they bring you in, and, and and what's what's your first gig there? So they hired me to be. Uh, the host of CFL and the host of NBA on TSN. So those were my two gigs, which uh, CFL was a dream. My dad had been, I grew up going to Rough Rider games. And uh, as you guys, as I mentioned, I love football. So that was a really cool phone call to my dad saying, I'm going to host the CFL on TSN. And uh, nobody, I don't think anybody remembers hosting the NBA. Uh, It was a really cool time. That was Vince Carter's rookie year. And, uh, I actually got to cover that slam dunk contest game in 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 Oakland, which still one of the coolest top five coolest events in my career. The atmosphere in that building was surreal. So I did NBA and CFL for the first few years. I've been thinking a lot about that uh, this week. Chris Schultz, our good friend, of course, passed away, and uh, so I've been doing a lot of reminiscing this week with with Rod Smith and and Dave Randorf and, and many just the crew guys from TSN. Uh, I, I don't know when when this is coming up, but we're, uh, the funeral is tomorrow and trying to gather my thoughts on what to say about Schultze, but really great, great times. Like uh, those early years hosting CFL and, uh, were just unbelievable times for me. Were there, do you ever have aspirations or was there ever, uh, a moment that, that you were thinking about heading South, you know, where you ever like maybe to Bristol or, or Fox or anything like that? So, yeah, there was. I, I never really tried. I never got an agent in the states or uh, sent away tapes or anything. Mostly because I was pretty happy where I was, and I, 
I, I love Canada. Now, I'm not, uh, you know, obviously if somebody came and threw a, a dream job at me, and it, it only happened once. It's funny. It was, uh, God, I don't know how many years it was, probably seven or eight years ago now. Um, and I, you know what, I'll just, I guess I've, I've never, I think I've, I've beat around the bush around it for a long time. I may have said it somewhere before, but I'll just tell you guys now because it's so long gone by. It was NBC. And it was a really, it's a kind of a strange story because they, they called me and I think it was just after they got the hockey rights and I was going to host hockey and they wanted to, uh, I was going to host Notre Dame football and I was going to have a job on, um, Sunday night football. Now, uh, and at right around the same time, Keith Olbermann used to host that show with Dan Patrick, yeah. Keith Olbermann left. And there was one phone call where this executive called me and said, you know, would you be interested in co-hosting Sunday night football? And right away, like, I was like, okay, <laughs> thanks a, but B you're going to think about this 10 minutes from now and say, this is the dumbest idea ever. I'm some geeky looking guy from Canada who nobody knows. And I'm going to go sit next to Dan Patrick and host Sunday night football. And that, and the guy, I think he probably said, yeah, you know, you're probably right. We'll ease you in. We'll get you to do like a post game report for a couple of years and get people to get to know you. But this went on the talks for a few weeks and I still hadn't decided if I wanted to go. I love TSN. Uh, my wife wasn't sure about moving down to Connecticut or whatever. And this guy kept calling me and saying, okay, I'm going to, uh, uh, your contract is sitting on Dick Ebersol's desk and, and, uh, can't wait to have you join NBC. And then I remember driving to work like the following Monday, all these thoughts going through my head. What am I going to do? And I turn on the news, like the TSN radio station. And they said, Dick Ebersol has resigned from NBC. And I thought, Ooh, I wonder if that's going to affect, <laughs> affect my contract <laughs> offer. And, uh, the guy never called back. And, wow. and it's funny cause I've seen him, I won't say his name or, but I've seen him at other events and it was the weirdest thing. He never, he acted like it never happened. Oh, I hate that. Like he literally called me every day for about three weeks. And then I saw him, it was the Super Bowl or a cup final or something. And Hey James, how you doing? Good to see you. Like, <laughs> like it never happened. And I suppose if I was smarter and more aggressive, I would have called back and said, Hey, what's going on? Are you guys, are you guys still interested in me? But I didn't care. And I remember feeling relief. Yeah. And so that's when I knew maybe I didn't want to go, that I was content being the TSN guy. Anyway, I don't think I've ever, I've ever told that, but uh, that's the one time that it, I guess it was sort of close. Wow. Uh, but, but again, and I don't want to make more of it than yeah, it ever was. Yeah. No, but they never officially offered me the job or gave me a contract or anything. So, it was funny because Liam McHugh, I think, uh, if, if you know Liam McHugh, ended up doing most of those jobs uh, and is a really great guy and a really good broadcaster. And but uh, sometimes my wife will say, wasn't that supposed to be your job every time she sees Liam on TV? It, but, you know, in, in all seriousness, if, you, if a guy squints, you and Liam look very similar. <laughs> Some people say that. Liam's, I think, a little bit younger than me and uh uh but he it's, i've heard that before that was the, he's a better looking version of me that was the look <laughs> they were going for okay so when you're going through that's what they probably said the executive said forget this duffy guy i got a younger better looking version of him. <laughs> <Yeah>. cheaper <laughs> and cheaper double double gagger that's yeah. right and cheaper as well you've obviously had a you know a really storied career you've been to a lot of places done seen lots of stuff what if you had to pinpoint maybe your favorite moment as a broadcaster what would that be uh, I think it's hands down uh, Vancouver 2010. And if you want to pinpoint the moment, it's the Crosby goal that 
I'd been an Olympic geek. I kind of left that part out of my story that I always loved the Olympics when I was a kid. Like to the point it was nerdy. Like I would sit home, you know, probably 76, 80 and that and watch every second of the Olympics as a little kid. Uh, I just loved it. I built a ski jump. Horse Bulau, the Canadian ski jumper, went to my high school. And so I went and built a ski jump. We lived next to like a little ravine. And we, had, we used cross-country skis and did ski jumping. Like every day after school by myself. It was like the stupidest thing ever. And so to come full circle and get to host an Olympic Games in your own country. And I had a really sweet gig where I would host during the day with Lisa Laflamme and then go down and host the hockey games at night. And, you know, we were probably 30 feet behind where, where Sid scored the goal. And uh, that was, that felt like just, I sort of said to myself, I don't know if I'll ever have a moment like this in, in, in my career. And that's probably the case. If you think about, you think about that game, what, like 25 million people watching or whatever, yeah. there will never be, there will never be another sporting event in Canada that, or and, and another TV event ever that has those numbers. It's just people don't have cable anymore. Like there will never be anything that comes near that final day of 2010. And so to be a tiny part of it was amazingly cool. But there's a few, like certainly uh, the Raptors winning the title a few years ago. Uh, I got to cover that and work with Chris Bosch and to be in Oakland that night was, was surreal kind of felt circle of life because I started my career at TSN doing NBA uh, tiger winning the masters in 2019 is probably in the top five as well um yeah you're right I, I i feel super lucky at the things i've been able to be at and cover we're gonna get into some golf in, in the mm-hmm. masters because i'm a golf geek um what, yeah. what's your favorite favorite gray cup james ah uh, and you don't offend saskatchewan people if you don't say one here don't worry about it <laughs> we're not that pigeony no, I'll be accused. Uh, I'll be. It's a Rough Riders, but it's not a Rough Riders. Uh, having grown up in Ottawa, uh, when when Ottawa won, this would not have been my favorite Grey Cup week. Because trust me, I, I love the Western Grey Cups, and I can't wait to get to Saski for the when we have one. Uh, that was a shame that that one got canceled. But um, the one in Toronto that the Red Blacks won only because my dad, who passed away three years ago, so that was a year before he passed away, and. Uh, he was battling cancer already, and he loved Ottawa football more than anybody. Like we went to, that was the one thing we went to get there every single game. My dad, my mom, and I till you know from the age eight to twenty eight or whatever when I left Ottawa, and for them to win the Grey Cup in that crazy fashion against Calgary, yeah. like big upset, uh, Henry Murray Burris on a busted knee, and and I got to present the Grey Cup which one of the cool things I get to do every year and, you know, to call my dad, to call my dad after that. And, and, you know, that was a pretty damn cool moment. I, I am really neutral 95% of the time and I'm not a red blacks fan myself. I don't, I really don't care. People don't believe that, but that night I cared because, yeah. because of my pops. And uh, so that was, that was right up there. Favorite great cup week. Well, then I'll be all oh, the same thing it was probably the one in Ottawa just because they did an amazing job. The one where Toronto beat Calgary, I thought Ottawa did a fantastic job uh, uh, at that Grey Cup. So I have yet to be because it was during my off years that it was in uh, 
was in Saski last. So I've yet to do a Saskatchewan Grey Cup, and that's why I can't wait to get there. Let's get into golf, and the Masters is coming up. <laughs> and that beauty from Weyburn that uh, a lot of us know, you know Gra- Graham, you guys last year, man, when you were crushing those bards and you did that commercial, right? Like, that's a Saskatchewan, right? It's just like, oh, it's so cute. Look at him. He's just doing all that. But It wasn't a commercial. I was literally pulled a, bu- a beer out of the fridge, turned around, he was already rolling the camera. It was like... <laughs> Uh, I had a I had a wig that one. Yeah, he's he is a beaut. It was uh that was an awesome awesome week uh, last year having him on board. Uh it's a the Masters people ask me to your last question. You know, my favorite events every year it's between the World Juniors and the Masters and it's such a hard call because the World Juniors is so great and if it's in Canada with fans unlike this year there's hardly anything like watching a team Canada semi-final game against the states. It's so great um but the masters is the beginning you know you guys feel the same way i do right it's the it's the week that you feel like summer's coming uh it's just such an awesome event it's a huge privilege for me to be able to cover and i so i just love that week we work ridiculously long days i'm not sure we'll get to let back because we had to get them up at like seven every morning to bring them (laughs) over to the course uh but uh that's awesome it's it's just so cool to be on that on those grounds and you know you're we're you're you're all we're all in a house together it's kind of like a frat boy and girl thing where there's we're all living in a house together and so you work long days and you come home and have beers usually the nhl playoffs are on so it's a really fantastic week which uh the ones you covered he tiger 2019 (laughs) was was that was that your favorite or was there one that maybe there you know there's a cool story um, behind the scenes that happened, that was one that really stands out. So Stuff the Masters sad. I did was 2002. And the first one's always really special. And it was so different than the way I'd imagined it growing up, right? I'd always dreamed about going to Augusta. Never thought I'd ever get to Augusta, let alone be able to cover the tournament, right? It seems so far-fetched. And I always dreamed like you'd, you'd drive down this winding country lane through the georgia pines and you come across magnolia lane that was my thought in my head right yeah and instead it's right off this greasy strip mall washington avenue in a, in augusta georgia which is you know but then there's this it's you like you to make one turn and you're in paradise so that was the first thing that struck me i couldn't believe it uh like I, my first drive like the monday morning our first week of masters we're driving up washington ave and there's a Hooters, like basically a stone's throw from the driving range. And there's some Hooters girl out there. And she's like, come on in for the Hooters master special. And I'm like, this is not the way Jim Nance talks about it on TV. Uh, I had an encounter with Tiger Woods at that first master. Uh, there was a rain delay on the Friday that year. Uh, so they were finishing their second rounds on the Saturday morning. This was 2002. Tiger was a defending champion. He was in the mix again. This was at the height of Tiger Mania before the Perkins waitresses and everything else, right? And uh, so back then we had really incredible access where there's all these cabins that you see along and uh, we're near 10T and you can kind of walk into all of them. You could back then. I'm not sure you can anymore. And so I had some time end of the second round before the start of the third round and was walking around and I walked into this cabin and there was Elon, who Tiger was just dating at the time fairly fresh like maybe a year or something i'd have to look at the time frame and tiger's mom and they were the only people in this cabin sitting there and so elon was 
gorgeous at the time. And so me being a creep sat down right on the couch across from them and just sort of sat there like a creepy stalker. I and they were just chatting, barely even noticed that I was there. And then the door opens and it's, and it's Tiger. And like he's coming in after finishing his second round. And so and it was really weird because I'd never seen Tiger like this. He was very different than the stone faced killer we saw on TV. He was like, honey, I need, I remember him saying, I need socks. Like, so he, I guess he finished the second round that morning, needed a, his different Nike outfit for the third round or whatever, and needed to send her back to the house or something. So now I started to feel uncomfortable right away because I was the only other person there. So it was a two story cabin and I walked upstairs to go take, just take a leak just to get mostly just to get out of the way. So I start taking a leak and this is a bathroom with a small bathroom, three urinals. Okay. And as an aside, I always choose the middle urinal, right? Because that's what I think a, a confident man should do, right? Because I never trusted guys that choose like the corner urinals and they kind of angle themselves off to the side. And I always feel like a confident man, he, he takes the middle urinal, right? If you have an odd, and if you guys leave with nothing else from this podcast, just choose the middle urinal, right? So I'm doing my thing in the middle urinal and the door opens behind me and it's Tiger Woods. So... <laughs> Uh, he cozies up to the urinal on the left of me. Now, at that time, I, you know, I, I was well enough into my career. I'd been at TSN a few years that I'd interviewed athletes. I wasn't really intimidated. But Tiger Woods was the most famous maybe person on the planet. Uh, and so I was a little rattled. I'd never interviewed Tiger at that time. I got to interview him a few years later. But anyway, there's kind of urinal etiquette with men, right? right? You, 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 if you're alone next to a guy in the urinal, you got to say something. Right. You got to at least acknowledge him. However, you also got to be careful that your eyes don't drift over to, you know, and you're not like, whoa, Tiger's pulling out the driver today. Right. <laughs> and I got my putter. So. Uh, so I'm thinking, what am I going to say? So I go, hey, I thought that was a pretty good opener. I go, hey, he says, hey. And I go, OK, that was pretty good. I got to think of a follow up. <laughs> So he's just about to go out for his third round a couple hours away. So I go, good luck, right? So Tiger at this moment is still just kind of unzipping his pants. Like it's all happening fast, right? So I go, good luck. And he kind of he kind of chuckles and he says, bro, I do this several times a day. I should be okay. Like he made a pee joke. <laughs> <laughs> and it was at, at that moment, you know, uh, before, Besides the birth of my children, that was like the greatest moment of my life. This tiger made a pee joke right next to me, and uh, so that was my that was oh, my initial master story. That's... Uh, when you ask my favorite, uh, like I said, there's nothing like the first one. Obviously, Tiger in 2019, uh, just from a historical perspective. But I would also say, past this past November, in many ways, was the neatest Masters I'd ever been to, because there were no fans. Like the Masters is incredibly difficult to cover. Yeah. The most difficult sporting event to cover live because A, no cell phones, yeah. right? And that includes media. Yeah. If you're caught with your cell phone on the course, you are done. Your media credentials are revoked. You cannot come back. Wow. And that would not be good with me and TSN. So no, and no electronic scoreboards, right? Just the old wooden yeah. scoreboards. So, and huge crowds. So, and we don't have any access inside the ropes. At some tournaments we do. We don't at the Masters. And so... We're just like everybody else. If I'm trying to f cover 
the last round of the Masters or Tiger Woods or whatever, I'm 30 people deep. You know, I see the tip of his cap. I might see one shot. And so besides the roars of the crowd and those wooden scoreboards, you have no idea what's going on. And so sadly, for the most part, I have to watch the back nine in the TV tent, right? Because that's the only way I can do an hour post show afterwards. So last year was the one exception with no fans there. It was lunacy. I walked with uh, my producer and buddy Puffy. We walked, uh, we walked nine holes with Tiger on the Thursday. And the gallery was Peyton Manning, Tiger's girlfriend, and me and my producer. And so every, not every shot, because you still had the ropes, but every tee shot, I was eight feet away. And it was remarkable. Wow. Uh, yeah, it was like nothing I've ever experienced before and will ne- never will again is you got to see everything up close. I when remember when DeChambeau, uh, sorry, dogs again. Remember when right. DeChambeau... Uh, Lost his ball on four. I think it yeah. was on Saturday yeah. or Sunday. Yeah. yeah, I was right there on that tee box, and it was funny because Patrick Reed and who was in the group? Patrick Reed, Tony Finau, and Paul Casey were in the group behind Shambo, and they were kind of talking about him with their caddies. Not, I don't want to say making fun of him because that, but you could tell there was a little bit because watching him up close is unbelievable. That pre-shot routine, like he's so loud and. It's like a guy about to do a deadlift. So <laughs> to witness all that up close and hear the players talking and was one of the neatest experiences I've ever had. That's and and Paulina Gretzky was there. Oh, oh, uh, yeah. yeah. Did yeah, you hear what I what that? Did you hear that part? What happened with me with that? No, no. I remember the picture so on Twitter. She's there the whole time, right? And there's nobody around her. She's by herself, walking most of the time. And <laughs> so at one point, finally, she's waiting behind the green, and I'm like. The sort of 16-year-old teenage geek with the, the hair forward, like I told you about, and the big ears. That came out of me. I'm like, wow, Pauline is here. I got to say hi, right? And uh, so I, I walk up and I go, hey, Paulina, it's James from TSN. And uh, uh, she goes, oh, hi. And then I realized I had nothing else to say. So I was just, it was like I flashed back to like the grade nine dance where I didn't know what to do. And I just kind of went, okay, have a good day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, you awkward creep. I was so bad. I was just like, that was just, that was horrible. <laughs> and I, I, I was doing something with Wayne the next week. Oh. And uh, I said, yeah, I, I saw Paulina at, uh, at the Masters. And he's like, yeah, she mentioned it. And then I was like, yes, she did. She at least, she at least remembered me. <laughs> oh, frick is that dedicate. Oh, so you get to play, guy. you get to play Augusta. Again, I'm a mm-hmm. golf geek. What's it like rolling down magnolia lane to play with two sleeves of top flights <laughs> yeah top flight xl uh so the way the way it works uh for your listeners that don't know is that there's a draw every year and about i'm not sure what the number is 20 30 guys get to play on the monday uh with sunday pins so my number came up. I brought my clubs every year, and my number came up. I guess it's five years ago now, four or five years. It was my third trip, which was pretty lucky. I'm Bob Weeks. It took 19 years before he got on. Uh, wow. So basically, the the crew has left. We all they all ship out and fly home Monday morning, and it was just me and uh, my golf clubs. And they send you, they give you this beautiful invitation on the Sunday uh, that says uh, you're invited to play. Please show up at the gate at Magnolia Lane, and I believe mine was. 9 40 a.m and your tea time will be 10 40 a.m so 
I was stoked. Uh, and I'm putting, uh, putting in the living room in the morning, like six in the morning. You don't sleep at all. And then I go in my bag and I realize I have two golf balls. <laughs> and uh, I'm like, what the hell am I going to do? I'm at Augusta National. I have two golf balls. So I get in the cab and I said, is there anything open on this Monday morning? And she goes, Walmart's the only thing open. So she drives me to Walmart and all they have is top flight XLs or hot XLs, right? <laughs> and so that's why I showed up at Augusta National with a dozen top flight XLs. But you show up at the gate. I got there an hour early and they're like, no, uh, no, you're not coming in. You have to, if they say 940, you show up at 940. They don't let you in a minute earlier. So I go to the driving range and it's amazing. And the caddies are all lined up uh, in their white outfits. And uh, you just sort of take a spot and that's going to be your caddy. And right away, I, there's a pile of balls, obviously. And they're all Pro Vs with Augusta logos on them. So I look back at my caddy. And I look down at the balls and I look at him again and kind of go like this. And he goes, and he turns around and he just turns around <laughs> and looks the other way. And I pile about nine of them into my bag. <laughs> so, so I ended up playing with the, with the, with the pro V's just oh, the worst etiquette right. ever. Just one of the most special days of my life. Uh, I, I wish I'd played better. I actually hit it pretty good, but I was so nervous around the greens. I think I three putted, 13 times or something and uh but it was it was one of uh one of the best days of my life bob weeks had warned me he said it will be the fastest round of golf you ever play just because you never you don't want it to end yeah okay i got we could get into this forever but i got i got one question and i've never been there i want to go i want to go just walk it on a practice round i don't want to be there when it's greasy that tee shot <laughs> that tee shot on 18 james yeah how tight actually is that? Because it looks really tight on TV, but it's one of those ones, you know, maybe there's a little bit of bailout somewhere. So from the, uh, when you play from the members tees as part of the media and the members tees, uh, they were the championship tees, I think in 97 when Tiger won basically before everything changed. So now at 18, it's back, it's gotta be back. 100 yards, 120 yards from where, where we tee off from. So it's not that bad. Like, you feel like you can get past the woods uh, with your tee shot. I hit a bad tee shot there, and I just clipped, the like, one of the last trees and ended up in the woods and had to chip out. But it's certainly intimidating. It would definitely be intimidating if I, you know, I was playing in some sort of tournament and had a one-shot lead on Sunday. I, I think they, uh, you know, most of the guys now, the DJs and – you know, DJ had a big lead, so it was over anyway. I think a one-shot lead, it would still be incredibly nerve-wracking shot. But somebody like Deshambo, I'm not sure those, tree, those trees aren't in play even. I could just bomb it over all of wow. them, right? Cool. I remember the lockout year. I think it was 2005 was the first year I was going to go to St. Andrews and play mm -hmm. there and because they hosted on the fives, right, or whatever, the open mm -hmm. there. And I didn't, mm -hmm. I didn't go because I was working at uh, Global, didn't have enough money. So... You that year you cover like all the big ones for right. for golf like that mm -hmm. the epitome. The lockout right? was the uh, worst year of my career and the greatest uh, because I that was the only reason I got to cover them all was the NHL season was canceled and uh, so I said uh, hello golf majors I'll do them all yeah and that was spectacular that was Jack's last British Open and uh, one of my regrets. You know, you're professional. You're you're never supposed to ask for autographs or anything, and I never have in my career. But 
Jack did his media, uh, his media scrum after his last round. And at the end, they all stood up and gave him a standing ovation. And then the reporters went up with like their programs and had him sign them. And so I said, Hmm, maybe I, I should do that. So I had bought, I had purchased a, I used to buy just a golf ball as a memento. So I bought a a St. Andrews British open golf ball and I had it in my pocket and I was kind of the king of the hijack interview back then. I always wanted to get one-on-ones with guys and I would just wait. In this case, the the media availability was in a portable and I waited for Jack to come out with my cameraman, Dean Willers. And, and we were just going to try. And so Jack walked out. I said, Hey Jack, James Duffy from TSN in Canada. Do you mind if I ask you a couple of questions? He said, go ahead. And so I got, that was the first time I ever did a one-on-one with Jack Nicholas right after his last round of, of the British. So we finished the interview and I said, Jack, I, I never do this, but I saw the guys in there. So could you sign this ball for me? And he goes, I don't sign golf balls. And he walked away. <laughs> oh. so, so, so the one thing I, I was like the one time in my life I asked, I got shot down by Jack, oh. but uh, oh. further to the tiger thing, that. That was the first time we'd never gotten a one-on-one with Tiger Woods at the end of a major before. And I was determined that week uh, that I was going to get a one-on-one with Tiger Woods. And so in following him, I found his agent, um, who still is his agent. I basically, every day that I saw him, I went up and had a conversation with him and just sucked up and sucked up and sucked up and said, uh, and Tiger had done something with TSN maybe a while before. And I said, hey, if he wins, can I get a one-on-one? Can I get a one-on-one? Can I get a one-on-one? And he's like, and but so I did, still didn't think there was a chance. But Tiger wins. And the only, the only one-on-ones he does are ABC, uh, ESPN broadcasting the event, and the BBC over in Europe. And they're both inside this, uh, this portable, basically. And there was this big English British security guy, you know, who was running the thing from Royal St. Andrews. And I, I figured out where the portable was going to be. And uh, again, stocked it out with my cameraman, Dean and tiger walks by, goes in and his agents right behind him. And I go, I think I'm pretty sure it's Mark. I'm like, Mark James from TSN. Remember? He's like, come on in. And he let me do, uh, he let me go third and do a one-on-one. And uh, yeah, I was very, very proud of that. You terrible got, interview i think i did but uh you got to do that stuff the good yeah, yeah. you got it you just got to cool keep uh keep yeah your that was a that was a cool broadcast story before we get into rapid fire and, and wrap this thing up we got to talk about the book the new book beauties and the podcast now i've i've listened to most of them haven't read the book yet not gonna lie to you the the daryl story is great my favorite one is the Kelly Chase talking about Bobby Hull? And the, Brad Hull and Bobby Hull, yeah. <laughs> the the scraps on the floor, right? So people that are listening, yeah. you you gotta go and buy this book. It's it's unbelievable. And he has the Beauties podcast. And then what he hangs on the uh, on the bedpost, hangs his hair on the thing, <laughs> grabs food from the old trays. You can tell <laughs> that one. It's okay. It's so uh, you know Kelly Chase and Brett Hull were roommates forever and. Basically, there's a chapter of the book, which is called Hully, where Chaser just tells his favorite Brett Hull stories, which are amazing. But there's one of them where he uh, they go back to their hotel. Or I think they're in Chicago at the Drake on the road. And Bobby is joining them for a night out. And I don't think he'd ever met Bobby before Chaser. So they come back after to the room and and it's uh, the elevator. And 
Bobby gets off the elevator floor early. And they're like, what are you doing, Bobby? He said, we'll meet you. I'll meet you up at the floor in a second. They get in the hotel room. Bobby comes back with like a half-eaten thing of French fries, a half a hamburger. He was scrounging the food from the trays <laughs> in the room service. And Bobby's like, this, that's the way Stan and I used to do it in Chicago. And then he takes his hair off and hangs it on the bedpost. And Kelly's like, this is my, this is my idol. <laughs> Do yeah, you go- thank you for mentioning the book of the podcast uh, it- yeah rapid fire questions are always fun uh f- favorite we always ask hockey players as favorite teammate of all time so broadcasting favorite guy to work with schultz would be right up there uh but uh I'll, i probably gotta go bobby mack just because i think sitting next to him all those years um credibility uh oozed off of him and i think i owe if, if people enjoy me on tv or think i'm credible a lot of it's probably because of bobby mack Favorite uh, favorite road city? Nashville. Oh. Unbelievable. Every cup final should be there. <laughs> Slapshot or Youngblood? I mean, Slapshot's the greatest, but I'm kind of partial to Youngblood just for Keanu Reeves. That guy is a fucking animal. <laughs> okay. You got, uh, you got your six-disc changer, only mm-hmm. Canadian CDs. Who are you putting in that thing? the hip obviously uh well i mean i got a lot of guys i like now but it's going to be mostly hip and tommy cochran who are my those were my soundtracks growing up so uh that'll be my quick answer right on thank you so much a lot man i really enjoyed it boys thanks for uh, being accommodating on the times today what an interview with james duffy and i'll admit that's my uh first time hearing it just like Many of the listeners tuned in. Um, fortunately, I couldn't be there that day. Work kind of got in the way of, of that interview with James. But I know Belter, every time I'm not there for an interview, Belter texts and says, best interview ever. <laughs> and I'll tell you, you what, I, I'll say this. I'll say this straight up. Like We've interviewed a lot of guys, like a lot of high-profile guys. And I, I told Shink this too, and he'll confirm. I, that was probably the first time I was kind of like a little bit starstruck. Uh, you know, interviewing him and he was just such a nice guy, such a down earth dude and super funny. Like I felt myself like kind of just staring eh, a couple times, but I uh, know he was fantastic. The first thing I think of when I think of James Duthie and like everything he did in his TV career was the 2000 and not sure what year 10 Anaheim Ducks cup final run. Yeah, I don't know when that was. Do you remember when they had Maggie the monkey on the broadcast? Oh, yeah. <laughs> and Maggie the monkey picked Anaheim to go the full the full way. But I don't know why I remember that. But that's the one Duthie. Uh, he's had some good little bits and skits and uh, stuff over the years. Just a staple. His book, Beauties, and all these stories, right? Uh, it'd be nice to see a little, what do they call it? Nooner bump is what you guys call it, but to see some, uh, purchases made in, in, uh, Saskatchewan on this book, father's day is coming up. It's, it'd be a really nice, uh, actually that's what I'm going to ask for, for father's day. Um, cause I listened to the pod and I really want to read the book and there's so many, uh, stories he's not going to touch on there. So, uh, yep, that's, uh, it was an awesome interview and the interview wrap up as always for our friends at 2020 geomatics. Thinking about some land, you got to chop it up, a little survey action, or you need someone to come help you out. Malcolm Vanstone and his team at 2020 Geomatics. Uh, they love going out to the small towns, like we said before, and uh, japping with you guys and figuring it out, and they're going to help you. Don't do it yourself because you could uh, get into a lot of legal ramifications and just look like a total uh, donkey. So there you go. Hey, and Malcolm uh, t- mentioned about uh, next year, Boz. He knows you're a bit of a degen and gambler that uh, he puts on like, a, isn't it a pool? A, Let's go. A Scotty's or a Briar uh, pool 
out uh, out there, and, and he won it this year. Um, so yeah, sounds like I actually was in a Scotty's in a Briar. It's uh, pool goes way back. My grandpa used to put them on. Now my mom's been doing it. But uh, yeah, I had Gushu in the Briar. It came in fourth or fifth. Not <laughs> ideal, but uh, out of her new Jeep. <laughs> yeah, she's <laughs> wheeling around, handling her Jeep, getting people signed up for this Briar pool. But uh, <laughs> yeah, sounds like something I'd be. I'd be down for for sure with old Malcolm Van Stone. And why wouldn't a guy right now talk about while we're doing that? Uh, we got a really cool contest coming up around the Masters. So uh, we're going to just slide that in in the next couple of weeks. But if you're playing the pick'em pool, uh, usually on the weekends is when we kind of fired up that double header on Saturday for sure. Uh, a chance to win a bit of a wag on tarp. Thanks to everybody at GB Construction. Uh, out there in Kipling very much. And then Colin McLeod, if you need any promotional stuff done this year, Colin McLeod from Bullier, Saskatchewan. Good guy can come and hook you up. These T-shirts are top quality too. So yeah, we're going to be playing to that. Uh, keep it going here. And then the hats are rolling in here right away. So we're giving away some lids. So yeah, make sure you're following the Twitter and playing the Monday Nooner pick them. Why wouldn't a guy? Hey, have you guys been uh, been following the WHL hub at all? The yep. uh, bubble hub, subway, subble deal going on in Regina. I watched the Pats and uh, Blades game the other day and got to listen to Lester Lazaruk. Yeah, I watched the opening night, Regina and uh, yay, PA. Yeah, Habby and the boys, and Strucher and the boys. Um, seems like good hockey early. Like the kids haven't really missed a beat, you know, from my, what I've watched. I did want to give a bit of a shout out earlier and I forgot, but just to uh, everybody that helped put that on, because I know some people in Regina that have literally like Stacy Cattell and his crew, but like my buddy, Joel Pickering, who we're friends with, he's been grinding hard, like late nights, early mornings. There's a lot of people putting a lot in to make this happen. Good point. I drove by the Pat's office about two weeks ago. One of the kids skated really early, like 8, 8 a.m. at the cooperator. So I'll go to that sketchy McDonald's uh, and hopefully I'll grab a coffee, kids in the back. And I look across and Pix's truck is already at the Pat's office. And I text him, I'm like, are you at the office already? He's like, guy, so much to do. Because he's like a one-man team. Yeah, so Pix, good job. Can't wait to buy you a buy you an 016 at the Larkin here in a, in a month or so. I'm sure there's a lot of uh, a lot of other people in there that, you know, are making it happen. So it's nice for us we're able to watch these guys and Connor Bedard. Jeez. Um that's just crazy, eh? Three goals in two games so far. 15 years old playing against I mean Belter, you, it was a long time ago, but you played in that league. Can you imagine a 15-year-old like he is playing power play. They're playing yeah. him on the point on the power play. He's taking twenty draws a game. It's unbelievable. Yeah, no, it's uh, yeah, pretty crazy. Uh, being fifteen years old, and being able to do that. I mean, when you're fifteen and you're playing against twenty year old kids, you're you're a you're a little boy. I mean, you're a you're a kid at fifteen and you're playing against a twenty year old. They've they've developed into a man. Like they're a they're big like, strong human. It's uh, it's it's really crazy what he's done so far. It's that it's fifteen. Three goals and good goals, not garbage. Yeah. Yeah, World-class like shot, at, literally, at 15. At 15, I was, like, just starting to explore my body, and, like, I was wearing sweats all the time. Like, I don't even think I wore jeans at 15. Uh, <laughs> he's probably wearing fresh sweats, too, though, leggings or jaggings <laughs> or whatever they call it. <laughs> but, uh, no, yeah, it's crazy. It's 
and the expectations on the kid. You know, he's not. He knows that everybody's talking about him in Twitter yeah. and the first exception. Like the amount of pressure on his shoulders and to get two beauty talks in your first game is remarkable. So, yeah, no, it's nice they got that stream. I know I've been tuned into, like you mentioned, less, but Phil Anders on the. Uh, I've been really dialed into the WHL and uh, bought that package, and it's it's awesome. CHL TV, sorry, is what it's called. Okay, guys, let's get into the hunting, fishing, tirade, collectible, gambling segment tonight. Obviously brought to you by Aero Plumbing and Heating. We always talk about their furnaces and air conditioners, but they do garburetors, sinks, taps, showers, your sewer line, anything you need, water softener. Hook these guys up, Lennox Furnaces. They'll take care of you. Boz, I'm passing it over to you tonight for some gambling. Yeah, and I, as we talked about last week, I was piping hot. I was on a heater with the briar. And I'll be honest with my gambling, like I'm I'm definitely behind. Overall, I am not ahead money. I'm not going to get into specifics, but I was up what I call, I think it was 12 units, okay? So a unit is your average bet. And I used to do the old chink pigeon parlays, but now I'm doing more like one game, two game, hammer big units, okay? So I was, up, I was up 12 units, which is a pretty good run. Well, going into the final Sunday, I got cocky, boys. I got cocky. I put six units on Cooey, and he got absolutely smoked. So ended up the briar up six units. Uh, not a great way to finish up the uh, the curling heater, but we'll be back and better than ever with the Worlds coming up on the curling senior, the mixed doubles, and then the Worlds. We'll be back on hitting it hard. I did manage, though, as we talked about earlier, to hit a nice one. On the golf, the Players' Championship, I had quoted 18 to 1, and I know our buddy Sean Steffen from the Rusty Shovel was tweeting me, being like, you're going to win some cake here. Anyway, I got Justin Thomas, again, 21 to 1. So made a made a pretty nice amount there of belts. I, just good. like a good good day trading cards. I withdrew yeah. a couple of, couple of bucks out of the accounts. So I was pretty happy about that. So nice to get on with the winning ways. Anyway, I digress. This week, it's the Honda Classic. Going to throw a couple picks your guys' way. I'm feeling good. I'm feeling these uh, these guys. Okay, guys. Got to be honest with the listeners. I did this segment. Had to redo it because my horse, I was going to put five units on him. Daniel Berger withdrew last minute. He was one of the favorites. I was going to smoke him at 12 to 1. He's out. We've shifted our focus. Got a couple picks for you here this week. The Honda. Let's stay hot, folks. Last week, it was JT, Justin Thomas. This week, it is JT Poston, the postman, 60 to 1. I like that number on JT. Let's go back-to-back JTs this weekend at the Honda. Another guy I like, Brendan Steele, 40 to 1. Going to put a couple units on him. Going to sprinkle that pick. A uh, real long shot, Michael Thompson, 90 to 1. Just a small wager on him. A couple bucks turned into a couple hundred in a hurry. You don't have to have heard of him to win money from him. Book it, Michael Thompson. And one more, uh, if you want to sprinkle the board with some long shots who have a legit chance this weekend, Dylan Fratelli, 66 to 1. Why wouldn't a guy put a few on him as well? We'll stay hot. Let's go. Nelly's, Nelly's boy. <laughs> Nelly Fratelli. Yeah, oh, Furtado. <laughs> <laughs> Nelly Fratelli. <laughs> Sorry, you're wrong, lady. <laughs> let's go that's the gambling segment i did want to mention this funny thing i don't know if you guys thought it was as funny as i did but earlier today recording on tuesday i went to buy a sports select (laughs) and fill out my ticket i'm like two minutes before the deadline and i go to 
write it down on like the little area they give you to write with all the tickets in there. And there is a Bible <laughs> sitting there. And I'm like, what the fuck? And there was nobody else in the 7-Eleven. I was the only person in there. And there's just a Bible sitting there. So I texted all my buddies who are hard degenerates. I'm like, whatever it takes to get the W. I'll read a scripture from the Old Testament. Let's go. Did you did you open it up? I didn't really want to touch it. Well, maybe, it's just all it's probably like cut out. There's maybe probably there's a, a gun in there. Maybe there's a gun or like a big thing of stack of hundreds. I did not open it. You should have opened I, I, it. I just was thinking like germs. I don't know. I didn't even touch it. Total degen. At this point, who cares? Do you want to tell people yeah. where you're living? Yeah, you're too deep. In a van down by the river. <laughs> <laughs> I would have okay. opened it. You should have. Yeah, that'd be great if there's a story tomorrow. It's like a young 11-year-old boy finds stack of hundreds <laughs> in a Bible <laughs> at a random seven million dollars. <laughs> Buys a sports select ticket, finds one million bucks in a Bible. And we can't believe Son it stayed there so long. Everybody came to look at it. No one would open it. <laughs> Some guy tweeted about it. <laughs> Why wouldn't a guy? Now time for the senior hockey player of yesteryear. Brought to you by Richie Brothers Auctioneers. Spring sales season. It is busy. Look them up online. You're going to find everything that's going on. If you didn't get the old catalog in the uh, in the mail. Does your mom put her catalog in her Jeep? Boz, when she's cruising around, do you think? And then they- yeah, I think uh, when traffic's busy in and around Handel, she'll pull over and uh, let's do the 75-plus auctions Richie Brothers has coming up this spring. And then next week is the big one in Regina. What's that, the March 23rd sale, right? That's coming up Huge in Regina. Uh, you might Lots s- of great gear. You might see uh, some Monday Nooner guys floating around out there, making checking out, kicking some tires. You never know. So, Richie Brothers Auctioneers, thank you very much. Player from yesteryear, Boz, where are you going to go? Yeah, we're going to go way back. This is uh, something you can't find on the internet. This is uh, statistics we had sent to us from some old newspaper clippings from 1984-85. Now, got uh, Chris Babbings send us over some info of a guy named Al Boyer. I think his real name is actually Elside Boyer. I mean, I've never heard nice that handle. name before, first name. Nice handle. Never heard, never heard that name before. Anyway... Uh, Chris tells me he's the grandfather of Nathan and Justin Boyer, who play senior hockey, both former Canistano Tigers, both two-time SJHL champions. So uh, hockey's in their bloodlines. Anyway, Chris sent me some old clippings from back in the day. Now listen to this. The Three Rivers Hockey League in 1984-1985. So we're going back 35 years. St. Louis, which is where Mr. Boyer played, they played 24 games. He had 65 goals, 47 assists for 112 points in 24 games. That's over wow. f- almost five points a game. Wow. The next closest guy in the league was Doug Mum from Shellbrook. He had 73, so he was 39 points behind. Mumsy. Just couldn't close the gap with like 39 back. And then third was Dwayne Olson from Big River, 71 points. But um, he actually tells me a story, too. This is kind of cool. They played in a tournament in Bruno. They had seven skaters. He was 18 or 19 years old, played in a senior tournament. He played four games. He played all 60 minutes of every game and scored 23 goals. Wow. And, and back in the day, here's another good story from him. They played a league game in Canistano many years ago. They won eleven nothing, and he scored all eleven goals. wasn't a big wasn't a big pass guy. 
does and, not uh, does not sent, sound like Sean Kindop. Yeah, they sent a bunch of stories. Very cool. Um, that's yeah. a that's such a cool story. Yeah, if anybody wants to send us for players from yesteryear, please shoot it our way. And and I will just wrap it up by some other stats they sent on him. And thanks to Chris for for getting this over to us. For senior hockey, they said in his career, he had approximately 1,200 goals and 900 assists. <laughs> Holy. <laughs> Let's go. Crazy. Sask- yeah, no, they sent a big, long article. I don't have time to uh, read it all, but uh, anybody in that area, area will know Al Boyer was an absolute weapon back in the day. I love it. Send us yours, guys, your areas, your towns. Yeah, for sure. Shoot, shoot them our way. Hey, Belts, you know, one thing I wanted to mention this week. We mm-hmm. were, uh, I'm not going to say where we were, but we were having a Caesar last week at an establishment. And <laughs> uh, 20-ish, someone in their 20s walked by, female, and you go, Man, those, what's with the jeans? They're so ugly. Oh, yeah. Like big, <laughs> big butt jeans. Like they're like pulled up to like your mid back, right? Like it's so weird. I don't get I, that. My wife. Yeah, I don't get it either. Bozer, you, you're younger than me and Shank. So like I was used to like the super tight jeans, like, you know, boom, all kind of stuff. Conway Twitty. <laughs> yeah. And then, and then came out like the Lululemons in my like late twenties, and that was like fantastic, which is still fantastic. But I don't understand the like the big high rise jean thing going on. And you know, another fashion thing that uh, I think is in is like the old person looking running shoes. <laughs> oh yeah, like they're just like one step away from being Velcro. Uh, the ex- <laughs> so you don't have to, so my old roommate when I lived in Regina. I, I get home and there's these shoes that look like they're like an 80 year old woman's shoes. <laughs> I'm like, like, is his grandma in town or what? <laughs> it like happened. Slip on Velcros. Or, in all seriousness, it was his sister. Or he's low hanging fruit. <laughs> <laughs> get them all you can. Uh, it was actually his sister who, like, she would have been in her 20s and was like one of those girls that was like, fashion was a thing and now i was like that is what you're wearing on your feet yeah and then you see other people and and photos and that is yeah granny shoes and in all fairness to to those women with those wearing those jeans i went to have a drink with barney and i think i had a hoodie and like stained sweatpants on so we're even no i i was dressed like a slob as well (laughs) like i whatever just wear 22 fresh and you know you're you're somewhat in yeah Yeah. hey let's get it 22 Fresh, let's give them a plug. If you're um, a Regina Pats fan or you're on this whole Connor Bedard thing, those they have a Bedard shirt, Pats, and a 22 Fresh logo on it. And then it says Bedard. And then underneath it in like a shadow, it says Weapon. Um, oh, cool. Yeah, Unreal shirt from 22 Fresh. Um, you can uh, pick those up. You know where to buy them. We're actually in talks with Kip about getting our own shirts like that. It's going to say Belter. And then pigeon. <laughs> Dijon. Hey, and hey, no, listen, listen, I want to say this again. Speaking of pigeon, I'm just got reactivated again. I called. I thought it was like coincidence, but I called another buddy the other day. I was like, you're such a pigeon on Facebook. And I got blocked again. Three days suspension. Pigeon is flagged. 
I'm telling you, I got flagged twice. Pigeon is a word you cannot use on Facebook. You sure it's not the fact that you're illegally selling hockey cards? That's <laughs> <laughs> hey, full, full legal. Full legal. I'm good. I'm good. Senior hockey soiree. We got some cool stuff coming down the pipe, as we mentioned. Um, our next senior hockey special is going to be on, I think it's safe to say, the most successful AAA senior team in Saskatchewan history. The organization, you probably most of you guys know, the Lloydminster Border Kings. 1941, Regina won the Allen Cup. No one won that bloody trophy until 2001 when Lloyd did it. So Brandon and I got to sit down with a few of the fellas, and uh, Brandon, some great insight to uh, that wagon that was the Lloydminster Border Kings. Yeah, and uh, it's pretty cool once you deep deep dive. A lot of local Lloyd guys that weren't a big necessarily import. A uh, lot of locals, a lot of interesting facts and stats, and they kind of maybe cleared things up with uh, how they ran things. Um, but yeah, a few guests, including Jason Clegg. Clegg are not afraid to uh, hit the lavatory wherever. We're going to find out in that uh, in that episode. He was a great speaker. All of them were hood too, and of course Buchanan is a broadcast background. So that's coming up. Stay tuned for that. Uh, Boz maybe going to tease everybody with a clip. There's no denying the caliber of team they had, but I know in particularly in Theo's book, there was people talking that he had put senior hockey on the map that year, which rock of bullshit. Lloyd Minster put the Allen Cup on the map in 2000. It was an unbelievable event. The, the tournament was sold out every game, whether Lloyd was playing in it or not. And I remember going to the Allen Cup in 99 in Stony Plain. And it was like a beer league rec tournament. There was no events outside of the Allen Cup. There was no, you know, beer gardens. There was no buzz. Lloyd put the Allen Cup on the map. And fast forward to 05, when Lloyd Minster was awarded the Allen Cup as the host team, that Allen Cup sold out within weeks. Theo Flurry and the Horse Lake Thunder were there, or it was Rosetown or Southey or Regina, whoever it was. That tournament was sold out. So when you look at those first years, uh, you know, to when you finished, what was the budget to run the Border Kings? Oh, as little as possible. Uh, no, but seriously, it, it, just covering your basically your your transportation and, and rink fees. And, and you know what? Uh, a lot of times the guys are on the tab for their own sticks. Clager and Hooter will nod to that. Uh, so there's a lot of things that, that other teams just kind of other players took for granted the you know and we brought guys in you guys want allen cups and you don't pay for anything i don't know we're going to release that in the next week and that is the senior hockey soiree for our friends at freeze tallman freeze tallman in regina and fort capel you probably know this belts if you need like lumber or you're thinking about building a deck or a fence <laughs> or anything because we're thinking about adding on at the cabin um, you strike right now because there could be some real, there already is a little bit of a lumber shortage and, uh, that Trex decking, that stuff's going to be gone, blown out. Cause everyone's going to be doing yard work and backyard shit again. Right. Yeah. It's busy out there and prices are going to skyrocket this summer. And, uh, yeah, and I'll go see everybody freeze Tom and I know uh, I got to call him cause I need a window. This is Donnie Bailey from South Boston. Take a seat, son. This is Matt Melton in Anchorage, Alaska. Take a seat, son. Hello, this is Dale Perrington. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son.
Take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. Yeah, and of course, that time of the year as well for landscaping. Of course, when it comes to landscaping, make sure you shop local and you support our friend Sean Stefan and his crew at the Rusty Shovel Belts. Uh, I know they can help you out for sure when it comes to getting a quote and that kind of thing. Yeah, and it's still uh, it's still kind of cool outside, so you may not want to be out, you know, ripping down there and talking to those guys. So, a quick picture, like we said, quick picture, quick measurement. Sean can hook you up, get you a quote. TheRustyShovel.ca slash quote, and those guys can take care of you. paving stones, retaining walls, underground sprinklers, artificial turf, everything. They can take care of you. Belts, I know you're not a uh, really golf guy per se, but mm-hmm. the three of us are gonna have to uh, set something up with Mister Stefan this. Uh, this summer, maybe do a little foursome. He's a big golf guy, so I'll have to get out there and swing the ranches with him. I used to uh, I used to hit the sticks really good back in the day, but, uh, you know, bad hip, bad back. I'm getting fat and I'm old. So sound like, I kind of sound like actually a pretty good golfer, actually. We got to go to a course where you can wear sweats. Yes. Yeah. <laughs> or like a really like tight short shorts. <laughs> Stuff myself into a pair of those. Wind pant guy with golf shirt. <laughs> That's like one of the worst combos out there. And it's it's like semi-windy out. They're like flapping. Sounds like a garbage bag stuck in a fence. (laughs) (laughs) Could you quiet your pants, please, sir? I'm trying to putt. Who wants to go first? Take a seat, son, for the rusty shovel. Let's go. Boys, you know what mine is this week? Mine is clickbait guy and clickbait girl on social media. Like, I don't understand why you, you, I've seen guys post stuff this week, especially that you don't really believe in it. You're just trying to cause controversy to get people talking about you and clicking. Like, it's like, is your, is your, is the thing you're trying to do in life that sad and that bad that that's what you got to do. And uh, yeah, anyway, those people can just totally take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. And to uh, do mine this week, I'm going to throw it over to Shane Belter, part two. I'm glad that Boz threw this back to me, Shane, because what I really want to to take a seat this week is uh, my buddy Boz. He looks like a skinny, young Ron Jeremy with that mustache that he's rocking this week. Uh, I really like it, but I do have to tell that mustache to just take a seat, son. Take a seat, son. I'm surprised we went this long. Normally, that would have been pointed out about the first 30 seconds of the shoe. You look like Austin Matthews' brother if you grew a mustache and he had a brother. It actually isn't as thick. Like, for some reason on this Zoom call, it looks like it's more of a mustache than it actually is. Because <laughs> you said that last week and I didn't even have a mustache. Now it looks I like I have a mustache. It looks really, it looks like Daryl, looks like John Oates thick. <laughs> yeah, it's nice. Like, I'd even call that a pr- push broom duster. Like, it's good. Like you're getting shit stuck yeah. in there. <laughs> Like, ketchup is hanging on that for sure after some fries. <laughs> I knew they were going to be a bit of a wag on. Fellas, how's the, uh, I know you guys kind of control the social media more than I do. How's the uh, hashtag Monday Nooner Pick'em coming? I know uh, I'm helping you by shipping out tarps, and those have been flying out of my basement. So uh, how's that been going over there? Yeah, no, it's been good. Lots of people playing along. Uh, just a fun little uh, thing to add to the hockey games that most people are watching Uh most nights, and of course, we couldn't do it without our friends at GB Construction. Al Batters, his uh, locally owned construction company, GB, they hopped on board. So we certainly appreciate their contributions and just another great local Saskatchewan company. We're waiting for some. Are, are we waiting for some hats, Shink? 
Are yeah. hats still stuck so in Nashville? Here's the problem with the hats is, you know, they come from wherever. And because of their shipping all these vaccines all over FedEx, oh. that they're kind of stuck in uh, Nashville. Not a bad place to get stuck if you're a... Uh, Take a seat, vaccines. We need the hats. Yeah. But uh, yeah, so hopefully... This week, next week, and then we'll get them out on social media, and then ooh, we're ramping up pick them. And like we said last week, you know, we're going to be doing the overtime pick them when it comes playoffs. And uh, yeah, GB Construction, if you know Al, you know, tell him thanks for the deadly tarps uh, because they're awesome and the hats that are coming. And then Colin McLeod did a good job of taking uh, what we had visioned and putting it all together good. there from Talbot. You bet. It's. Uh... It's only going to grow, so make sure you play along at Monday Nooner on Twitter to go. And you mentioned those vaccines, and I just did want to say, uh, on kind of a feel-good note, doesn't matter how you feel before we end the show about COVID or what's happened or anything, it's nice to see that people are starting to get these vaccines, yeah. and we're close to being able to do live shows and hanging out. Like, I know my grandma just got hers, and she was so happy because she's been kind of secluded and hasn't been close to anybody and has been really paranoid. So it's nice to see some of these older people, especially get that comfort of knowing that, you know, things will be back to normal, hopefully soon. Grams can go for a cruise in the Jeep with the tarp off pretty soon. It'll be nice. Look, check, whip through the old Richie brothers catalog. <laughs> Her perm won't move. Like it'll just sit there, right? In the wind. It. Like it, the perm no. just won't even move. I was yeah, trying I to wait. have a feel good moment. It's you guys, good. You got to go there. Hey, <laughs> take va- a seat. Vaccines. Oh, to it, we couldn't get one. We could give it away and a pick them. Yeah, to give that away for free. (laughs) I think it's. I think we're at the point. We've talked about this before, and I think Shink, you kind of maybe called it that all of a sudden they're just going to be like, boom. They're going to be leaving the guy in the corner. They're going to be leaving. He's walking down the street, leaving him at the Seven Elevens while you do pro line. (laughs) Oh, look a vaccine and a Bible, (laughs) a Bible and a shot. Uh, That was a good show, boys. That was some Fran Moran.